That's the voice of the late Adi Vital Kaplun in a clip from a documentary made a decade ago by an Israeli TV network. She was just 24 years old and one of the idealistic, eager young Israelis who had just moved into Kibbutz Holit, close by the border with the Gaza Strip. Here, Adi is describing in Hebrew the features of her house. Here's the bed Anani built, she says, referring to her husband, high school sweetheart, Anani Kaplun. Out of the window, she says, you can see lots of lemon trees and fields of vegetables where Anani works. There's a shelf full of Jewish religious books. And she points out, here is our mamad, our safe room, because we live in a dangerous area. No one knew that it would be in the safe room of Adi and Anani's home last October, where Adi, the Canadian-Israeli, a scientist, a wife, and mother who loved Carol King songs, would spend her last terrifying hours fending off the unprecedented Hamas attack that took her life and the lives of 1,200 other Israeli residents. But in the process, Adi saved the lives of her two sons, four-year-old Negev and four-month-old Eshel. And she also saved the lives of her husband, Anani, and her father, Yaron, She convinced them not to come to her rescue, but to stay hunkered down where they were, in her father's case, in a guest house nearby on the kibbutz. And her husband, who's normally second in command of the kibbutz's rapid response security force, but that morning was away on a nature hike with his brother. The third is Adi Vitel Kaplun. She was a dual citizen, Israeli-Canadian, deep family ties to the Ottawa community. The last we heard from Adi's Canadian family was in mid-October. That's when the Ottawa Jewish community met with reporters to confirm Adi's death and to ask for privacy on behalf of the family. Now, Adi's parents, Jackie and Yaron Vitel, have turned their grief over losing their daughter into a mission. They're speaking out telling everyone who listened the story of Adi's courageous last stand. She was like a lioness, they say, fighting to protect her cubs. They know it's a story people around the world have been drawn to. I spoke to Adi's younger brother, Asaf. He told me that Adi's friends said she reminded them of Carol King, that she loved music of all kinds, that she didn't drink and eat at the same time, that she, had, that she and Anani were high school sweethearts, that she had a dog, a German shepherd mix named Pete, whom she loved and called Pita, that she made her own granola. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, February the 12th, 2024. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. It was on October 11th when we heard Adi was the third Canadian confirmed killed in the Hamas attacks four days earlier. Although she was born and raised in Israel, she was Canadian. Her mom, Jackie, is originally from Ottawa. Her maternal grandfather, Irving Rivers, was a pillar of the Ottawa Jewish community and his family's 70-year-old army surplus and souvenir store in the Byward Market still operates with the slogan, We Corner the Market. Recently, Adi's parents zoomed in from their home in Jerusalem as guests of a Jewish seniors club in Ottawa to tell their daughter's story and to publicize what they're doing to fundraise for their son-in-law and two grandsons who have to rebuild their lives without Adi. Coming up, Jackie and Yaron Vital take us through the terrifying but inspiring last six hours of their daughter's life. We do it over and over because everybody has to remember Adi. 
Jackie Vital was on her annual trip to Canada to visit her two sisters and extended family when October 7th happened. Her husband Yaron went down from their home in Jerusalem to visit with Adi and his grandsons Eshel and Negev, while their dad, Adi's husband Anani, was off on a nature hike. When the Hamas attack began with a barrage of rockets at 6.30 in the morning, Yaron was jolted from bed. So I'm sleeping there at the safe room. Uh, I don't lock the door because nothing, nothing tell you that what's going to happen in another few hours. He was staying in a vacant guest house near his daughter's home. He's a 25-year veteran of the Israeli Army Reserve and volunteers with the Jerusalem police. At the beginning, I'm thinking it's uh, thunders. And I thought, well, the weather changed and it will be nice to see rain in the desert. Doesn't happen that often. Uh, I go out of the shelter, go out of the apartment, outside of the house, and the sky full of missile, full. I'm talking hundreds. He wanted to leap into action and go over to his daughters. I call Adi and I say, listen, uh, lots of missiles in the sky. She say, Abba, go to the safe room and lock yourself there. I say, well, maybe I should come and stay with you to help you. Uh, as you heard on the movie, she was, you know, determined that I wouldn't come. She said, Abba, she didn't even say, please, as usually she, she say, she said, just stay there, stay there and don't go, and don't come here and lock the door. And then she hung up. So I go to the safe room and you have to understand that after, after you close the door, you can turn the handle a 90 degree up, and it's supposed to lock the door that nobody can go in. Uh, I told you it's a guest house. Nobody usually lives there. It's using people that come to visit, which is not that often. So nobody take care about the apartment. And with my luck, the door doesn't lock. It's after seven, it's seven, almost 7.15 and I, I was in shock, you know, the fence around the fence on the outside, lots and lots of motorcycle going up and down the road, trying to find a way to break into the kibbutz. I hear lots of shooting there, lots like crazy. And they start to coming to our neighborhood. Altogether, 13 people around me been shot by the Hamas. I'm going I'm going back to the safe room when I hear them coming close and I can hear so much at the safe room. I go out again after a few minutes, go to the bathroom and there is a window there, a small window that facing the path between the building and I can hear them. I bend down right away to be lowered at the window that they cannot see me, but I could hear them. And I could hear the screaming like maniac, you know, like terrible screaming like people that are in extasia, they knew lots of details. So my apartment listed as an empty one. So that's why they skipped the apartment. And that's why, you know, I appreciate uh, that Adi was stubborn to ask me to stay there because this way she saved my life. In fact, uh, when the time was uh, 12.30, Adi sent me a message. She told me, get into the shelter and lock the door tight as much as you can because terrorists is breaking into houses, uh, which I knew already. 
I don't know. She, I thought she get maybe she have any information that I don't know. So I went to back to the shelter, closed the door, and it doesn't lock. But uh, I tried to listen to her, and there was a chair in the safe room, and I put it under the under the handle just to make sure and that, that I can feel kind of safe that nobody can open the door. Next, she called her husband, Anani. She asked him to give her a fast refresher course on how to load their M16 rifle, told him not to come home. And then here's Anani describing in Hebrew to Israeli TV what happened next. When the terrorists entered their safe room where she was hiding with Eshel and Negev, she opened fire. She killed at least one terrorist. And the story goes she then begged the Hamas gunmen to spare her son's lives. She told the boys she loves them forever. Then they killed her right before her son's eyes. Adi's mother Jackie describes what Hamas did next with the two scared grandchildren. She knows because Hamas filmed it. There's a, a, a film that was made probably just after they murdered Adi because the terrorists um, are sitting outside on her porch, uh, negative sitting on a table, and one of the terrorists is bandaging his foot. And then another terrorist comes out of the house uh, with Esha, with the baby, and he's, he's got him over his shoulder and patting his back. And then he puts him in the, in the uh, carriage and he's rocking him a little bit. And then... Um, one terrorist has uh, Negev sitting in a room. He's he's holding a cup in, in front of him. And he says to him, say Bismillah. It's like a bracha, like a blessing before you drink. So he said, say Bismillah. So Negev said Bismillah. And then he said in English, drink. And then Negev drank the water. Um, very disturbing. Very disturbing. I I saw this um, clip during the Shiva. I don't know how I saw it or who sent it to me, but I was so disturbed that I, I didn't tell anybody about it because I didn't want to rock the boat for anybody else until um, supper time when I finally told uh, Anani's parents. And every time I see it, I just, I, I, mean, I can't believe that that poor little nega went through all of this. Yaron says Hamas then carted the boys away. First, they used them as human shields. The terrorists, he says, went around to other houses with the boys to lure other Israeli victims to come out. A dozen kibbutz residents were murdered that morning. Seven more were taken hostage, including the boys who were carried towards Gaza on foot. Yaron didn't know any of this at the time or what had happened to Adi or his grandchildren. I could hear lots of shooting, you know, like, and I tried to call her and there was no answer anymore. She didn't answer me. I called Anani. I said that Adi doesn't answer me. And he said, she doesn't answer me. And I'm worried. I say, I'm worried as much as you are, uh, but I can't go out, you know, like uh, they are all around. Uh, and the time go by and the time now is 530 Eleven hours later, Israeli troops regained control of the kibbutz, got Yaron out of hiding, and invited him to join their search at the daughter's house. And they put two soldiers around me to protect me. Three of them break into the house. They went through the room. They saw it empty, and they called me. They say, come inside, but we want to tell you that uh, there is a dead body on the floor in the kitchen. 
So they call another guy and he doesn't reckon, he say he's not part of the kibbutz, he's a terrorist. And they say, okay, let's go to look for your uh, daughter at the, at the room, at the house. And I call Anani, I told him right away that the house is look terrible. It's looked like somebody robbed the house. All the clothes was on the floor. The living room was full of bullets on the floor. And the door, the door of the safety room, I'm telling you, you, you never saw something like that. Like maybe in the movies, you know, full of holes, full like, I don't know. If it was four magazines empty at the door, so you have to imagine that uh, each magazine carry around 25 to 30 bullets. So that's over 100 bullets in the door. And the door was, wasn't locked, but it wasn't open. So I said, I will start to look at the safe room if she's there. And I opened the door and the, there was not enough light. They 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 break the switch in the safety room that I couldn't open the light. So I couldn't see so much, but uh, as much as I saw, the bed was upside down and the clothes was on top of it and the crib was on top of that. It's a mess, it was a mess. Just few, and I was looking everywhere at the house. I couldn't find her. I called her name, she didn't answer. So I was sure she was kidnapped. I told Anani she's kidnapped. He fell apart right away. He couldn't, like he was so far away and he couldn't help Adi. He felt very guilty about it. Eventually, Yaron left the kibbutz and returned to Jerusalem. And it was then he learned the boys were alive, released by Hamas right at the Gaza border. Well, the Al-Qassam Brigades has broadcast a video that shows the release of three captives. The video shows an Israeli woman and two children near the Holit kibbutz near Gaza. But he says what isn't obvious from the now infamous video that Hamas published of the handover was that his older grandson Negev had been shot in the leg while the baby Eshel was having trouble breathing because of all the smoke and dirt covering his face. Yaron says Negev was actually squirming and yelling, put me down, put me down. The terrorists released him, sent him back towards the kibbutz, together with an Israeli woman, one of Adi's neighbors, who'd also been taken. At first, the world thought she was Adi. Yaron says that it was a calculated move to gain world sympathy, and all broadcast by Al Jazeera, who we now learn had had crews covering the attacks live. Negev needed an operation for the bullet wound in his leg and was in shock. What's worse was what Anani says Negev told him. Negev clearly remembers what happened, his father's telling the TV interviewer, except he thinks the machine gun is a carpenter's drill. And he said the bad soldiers came into the house and wanted to drill Eshel, the baby. But mom wouldn't let them, and she drilled the bad soldiers. And then... As her son called it, she went away. Meanwhile, Israeli military personnel went back to the kibbutz four days later and conducted a better search of Adi's home. When we said Shiva later on, a soldier came to tell us that they find the body of Adi in the shelter, under the bed, booby trap. And they told me, they asked me if I opened the door to the safe room. And I say, yes. They say, you're so lucky. You designated one of the grenades that was attached to the door and it was a failure when it didn't explode. That also another miracle that happened to me. I asked the Vitals what assistance they received from Canada during the fraught few days of October 7th and the aftermath. 
Jackie says she couldn't be more grateful to the RCMP who escorted her right through security and onto her connecting plane in Newark. The Canadian government paid for her flight, and they are paying for some of her medication while she was in Canada and some victims' assistance programming. She received a call from Melanie Jolie, the foreign minister, and a courtesy visit during the Shiva for Adi from the Canadian ambassador to Israel. But what really strikes her is the generosity and outpouring of support her family has received from Israel, from people who didn't even know the family until October 7th happened. I can only say that the most generous man in the world gave us the use of his three-story home in the middle of Jerusalem so that the extended two families could stay in the house for the whole week of Shiva. We are 18. The other side is almost that. All of us could stay there if we wanted that whole, that whole week. And there was nothing that this man couldn't or wouldn't do for us that week. An example was that on the day that we were getting up from Shiva, he arranged for a masseuse to come to the house to give us a massage just to get rid of some of the tension from the whole week. Negev was really into fire trucks a few months ago. In fact, Adi asked me to bring him back a toy fire truck from Canada. And the, the uh, Jerusalem Fire Department heard about this. And on the second day of Shiva, they showed up in the parking lot outside of the house with a real fire truck. And they brought uh, Negev outside. They gave him a helmet to put on. They showed him how to, how the ladders worked, how the hose worked. They put him in the cabin so he could speak on the microphone. And he said, I'm Israel Chai, when he got inside the cabin. The same day, the chief rabbi of Israel was in the house talking with Yaron and Anani's father. And in the other room, there was a girl's um, band who sang in the late 2000s. Uh, Adi loved the music of this girl's band. They were called Benot Nachama. And that her second favorite album was Carol King, James Taylor, Troubadour. So these girls read about it and they showed up at the Shiva. Two of them had become famous solo artists on their own. But they came as a group and they sang their old music. And then one of them started playing You've Got a Friend, which was Adi's favorite song. And if you can imagine a room full of, I don't know, that was hundreds of people. And all the English speakers were singing. Some of the Israelis were singing, but everybody was crying. It was just amazing. Many Canadian volunteer missions to Israel also make it a point to pay a courtesy call to Jackie and Yaron. And although you might think these visits are too upsetting, the opposite is true, they say. It gives them a chance to share their daughter's story with a wider audience. I'm here to tell you the story. And I'm a survival of this terrible uh, Shabbat. Uh, But thank God I'm alive and the kids are alive. And Jackie and me still have eight beautiful grandchildren. We have Liat, we have Ayala, and we have Asaf. The only thing that we're missing is our uh, beautiful and smart Adi. Uh, This is a story. In the last few months, the family and others have launched fundraising campaigns to help Adi's widowed husband and the two boys. You know, they don't go still to the to the kibbutzim to build them, you know, and especially Anani's kibbutz is the farthest one in the south. 
and they're not going to build it soon. So Anani have to live in a rented place instead of at kibbutz. So yeah. it's a different life for the kids. Uh, but yeah, they have no house. They have they have no house, and it doesn't have a job either. Yeah, for mm -hmm. now. Uh, Anani and 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 the kids, he they both they all get monthly stipends. They get part of their rent paid. The boys for I, I think until the age of thirty, they'll there are stops along the way that the Israeli government will provide. Like they they'll give them money for a bar mitzvah. They'll give they'll pay for driving lessons. They'll pay for extra help in school. They'll pay That's for. Good. The Ottawa Jewish Seniors Group, AJA50+, Plus, has a fundraising link where you can donate money for Adi's kids and husband, if you're so inclined. We put that link in our show notes. You'll get a tax receipt and a link to watch the parents' full video presentation from where the audio for this podcast was recorded. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. If you watched the Super Bowl on Sunday and you got to see any of the American commercials, you probably saw the one about anti-Semitism featuring the speechwriter for Dr. Martin Luther King. We reported last week that another ad filmed in Canada with a Canadian cast was intended to be shown during the Super Bowl. But the Foundation to Combat Anti-Semitism that commissioned it decided to use it some other time, to the great disappointment for all involved. I just wanted to update you for those who were watching for it on the U.S. broadcasts or on YouTube. Thanks for listening to the CJN Daily. Don't take half measures when it comes to home security. Alarms and cameras work, but they'll only tell you that your worst nightmare just came true. Safety Screen by Metalex for windows and doors will keep your family safe and sound with real stopping power. They can't be cut pride or bashed in so you can enjoy carefree ventilation in the spring and fall with peace of mind and protect your fixed windows and doors with rock glass an absolutely unbreakable clear covering call 416-638-2539 or visit metalexsecurity.com to book your free consultation that's m-e-t-a-l-e-x security.com remember prevention is always better than the cure